Hi, this is Nancy Miller with My Creative Life, and today I have a special guest artist, Pam McKnight, and she is speaking from all the way from Boise, Idaho. Um, she's a retired art teacher and also a working art artist, and she does these beautiful assemblages, and she recently, um, I heard, just traveled back from Italy. So, Pam, thank you for being on my podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nancy. Yeah, so Pam, could you share with my audience a little bit more about yourself? Um, yeah, so I was a K-8 art teacher for about 25 years in Texas. And then I moved to Idaho in 2007, and I didn't find a job right away, and I didn't know if I really wanted to teach again or what I wanted to do. And so then I wound up um, just starting my own art business because, you know, as you, as you know, when you're teaching, you don't really have much time for your own art. So I kind of put all my energies into just making my own art and trying to find ways to sell it. And it was a big transition from calling myself a teacher. I mean, it was like almost a loss of identity. It was like, who am I now? What am I when people ask you, what do you do? And after I first moved here, um, and now I'm very comfortable just saying I'm an artist. So it was, it was a big transition. I agree with that because I really had a hard time. Um, I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts from um, Art uh, SCAD, um, Savannah College of Art and Design. And you know, I'd always do graphic design, illustration on the side, and then it was really hard when people ask, what do you do? And I'd be like, well, I'm a graphic designer or whatever, but, you know, really the term artist never really came into play. But recently now, I find myself more comfortable with the idea of saying it because I feel like I've done my do's here and, uh, you know, things that I can actually show for show for it now. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's really interesting the mindset mindset you need to have as an artist nowadays because I think um, because when you you're basically running your own business and mm -hmm. that's a part of that kind of education that I feel like uh, you don't really get when you're in school when you're pursuing the arts and stuff like that they really tell you about how do you promote yourself how do you get your you know your work known right you're completely right about that and one thing that helped me was i joined every artist group i could find and actually there weren't that many at the time so i even helped start an artist group um and one of our th things that we had in the beginning was a lot of like we'd have a different topic each meeting and it would be like on how a lot of them were like how to be an artist how do you what do you do about taxes how do you get a tax number how do you show it what do you need to show at a show like the tent and this and that and um, that was very, very helpful in, in getting started. Well, that's awesome. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about like the first time you remember like being inspired by whatever you were making and you felt like, hey, I really love making art? Well, I have two very early memories and I think I was, I don't know, preschool or kindergarten. And one of them was doing my very first finger painting. And it wasn't really a picture of anything, but I just loved I just loved moving the paint around and making designs in it. I was like thinking to myself, I want to be an artist. And then I also remember somewhere around that same time drawing in a um, little tablet and making some scribble marks. And I thought it looked exactly like a penguin. And I remember taking it to my mother and telling her she had to submit it in this kid's magazine where they always had like a little on the back cover, uh, a drawing that a child had done and they would like print it in their magazine. She didn't do that, but I thought it was worthy of being in there. Cool. Um, yeah, it's always interesting. All the artists I've interviewed, they have very specific memories, usually from childhood. And uh, did you get a lot of encouragement from your family, you know, to like, you know, keep making art or things like that? 
Um, I remember, you know, asking, you know, at Christmas getting a little sketchbook and pencils and stuff. I don't know that I was so much encouraged, but um, I do have, I think I, for, I wrote it down for a question later in, in the time um, about uh, taking private art lessons when I was eight and that, and that my parents paid for that. So that would, uh, I guess that would say that, yeah, they would let me pursue it because my little sister wanted to do it after I started. And then my mom's like, oh, you're just copying your sister. We're not going to pay for you to go. It was her idea. Oh, wow. Wow, that's interesting. So um, what is currently your favorite type of art to create? So I've kind of evolved from, so I was a painting major. I started out. And um, then my counselor at school, she's like, well, so you're going to be selling shoes at the mall? Yeah. She goes, you need some kind of backup, like education or um graphic artist or something in there so I decided to go with the education um but anyway so I started out painting for most of my life and then I started adding 3d collage elements and then some 3d elements to that and kind of morphing into more um the 3d assemblage things that I'm working on now and I'm still doing collages and just I like I, I say what I do it now is I take all of the supplies and all the techniques I used in teaching and I kind of combine them all and mix them up and I get to have fun with all those supplies now and just make different things. Yeah, and I am surprised by the challenge of working in any kind of collage, assemblage, because I did do a digital collage for my grad graduate class I'm taking right now in illustration. Yeah. And even though it's done on a computer, it's still like, it's really challenging coming up with a strong composition. Like, I feel like you could keep doing it like a, a million reiterations of the same eight elements and you're like getting something different each time. So I find that very challenging. Well, I think it might be easier with the actual objects. Mm -hmm. So I have like in my studio, I've got, and now, and now that I've started, so I, I was a collector of miniatures and I had a dollhouse when I was a child and I had all these little tiny miniature things. And when I travel, that's what I collect. I, I just always go towards little tiny things. And so it was probably around 10 years ago when I decided I had so much little stuff and my business is called Every Little Thing that I decided to start using that up in my artwork. And um, so I have like an organized by different, by letter of the alphabet or um, color or type of material it is, if it's wood or metal or whatever. And then when I find things that kind of go together, that I, this, could, this could turn into something, I'll put it, make its own little pile. And so I may have like a little pile of objects and things sitting around for over a year. And then I'll find something, either a piece of material or a piece of whatever, and I'll be like, this is it. This is the final thing it needs. Or I'll hear of, of a story of something. So a lot of my pieces tell a story. And I'm like, that's what I need to tie this all together. And then it kind of comes together. So there's a lot of different pieces work, um, working on it at the same time, like, or kind of like in the back, on the back burner, so to speak. So those stories that you're talking about that um, inspire your work, are they personal stories? Are there stories from other people's lives? Or um, Well, like there was one. I had... I had a, a plastic bag of all these little babies, like the maybe you would put in the king's cake for around um, New Orleans. And I didn't. I wanted to do something with all those little babies. And then I had, I don't know, I had some other stuff and and some some Chinese dolls mm -hmm. that were my mother's. And then I found uh, this story about a Chinese lady that was. I guess she would go through the garbage and like recycle things for money. And during her lifetime, she found over. 30 babies that were still alive in the garbage and she rescued them either adopted them herself or adopted them out to her friends and so they all got to live 
And so this piece is, so 30 of those little babies that I had are in this piece and they each have like a little crystal on their forehead to show that like from trash to treasure and kind of saving their life. And it was, it was, it was a really neat piece to come together with the dolls that were my mother's and those little babies. And then that whole story to tie it all together. Fascinating. I mean, so, so I'm imagining your studio is this is like, how big is your studio that you keep all of these, um, these objects like do you have a big space that you work in um so we recently moved a year and a half ago and i had one room that at the other house that we had to it was a, a weird room that you walked through to go outside so it was kind of a public space with people walking in and out but i kept it very organized with cubby holes and little boxes that go in the cubby holes and now we've we've moved it to this house where i've got two of the spare bedrooms that are upstairs so i've it's a small, they're smaller rooms. So I wouldn't say I've doubled the size, but I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I've got some big closets where I built some, I had somebody build me some um, built-ins in the closet for store for flat file storage or vertical storage. And then I've got just tons of cubby holes with different things in them. Uh, how big are you working at? Because sometimes it's always hard to, to tell, like when you're looking at um, your, you know, Instagram or something like that to get mm -hmm. it realistic. Like, are there an average size or just does it depend on what you're, what your story that you're trying to tell it de it depends but like those uh you may have seen my newest ones with the little um canvases where they're painting and then i had a gear on it with a little bicycle yeah. and those are only two inches by two inches oh i thought they were bigger <laughs> no so those are pretty tiny and then probably you know the biggest would be i don't know 30 by 36 or something you know around that size but most of them are pretty small like well, I'm looking around the room here, 12 by 12 square, 6 by 6 square, 8 by 8 inch, something like that. Interesting. So how do you get the stuff to stay on there? Because I'm always like challenged when it came to like I tried to do an assemblage in college and stuff. And I was <laughs> like, everything just kept falling off. Is, do you have any suggestions for like adhesives or are you like, you know, how are you getting right. to stick to whatever? I used to do assemblage with, we, I did a lot, I'm really into recycling and reusing. And so every year around Earth Day for the kids, we would do, I would, I would collect stuff all year long, like toilet paper tubes and plastic bottle caps and all this stuff and have the kids save them all at home too. And their parents hated me for that. They're like, oh, they never let me throw anything away. Um, and then we would have this big, where everybody would bring all their stuff to school and we would make either like one big dinosaur that everybody added to it, or they each get to do their own little project. And I always used tape and hot glue gun uh -huh. and the hot glue gun really does, does not it's not a permanent solution mm -hmm. so now in my own art what i use is e6000 glue mm -hmm. which people say is very very toxic and you shouldn't use it it does smell and you have to kind of make sure you've got some ventilation in the room but e6000 is good and um and then i learned of a stuff called epoxy mm -hmm. epoxy paste or epoxy clay and it's like two part and you can you mix and it's so it, <clears throat> and then when you mix it together it, it'll harden and become solid so you can actually add parts and connect parts and things with this epoxy paste and it's by aves a-v-e-s okay oh well great that's a wonderful tip to because i've seen um even some illustrators and there was another um artist i had um interviewed Marsha lot and she's been doing more of these like 3d like paper sculptures they're really cool but she um she's a watercolor artist but it just interests me like when you take something and transform it into something 3d and it's like 
it's just a total different, you know, I don't know, life to it than when you have mm-hmm. a CD. Yep. I always say I take other people's trash and turn it into a treasure. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, and there was this one that you did with this musical instrument that I thought was really beautiful. It looked, and it's hard to tell once again what the sides are, and I'm not very good with musical instruments. It almost looked like a cello, kind of. I, so I've done two. I've done, I did one on a violin, so, you know, it's 18 inches tall, maybe, and then the cello was a large, um, yeah, a large cello, and that one I kind of did in a st- steampunk theme, um, and that was for uh, a, a silent auction for a nonprofit. So what was the story behind that one? Because I thought that piece was very, I don't know. The cello? That I wanted to keep looking at. Um, The story, so I wanted to pick a theme. I started like Googling cello artists. And there is actually is a steampunk cello artist. And her name is Unwoman. And that name was taken from the Margaret Atwood Atwood story. Um, Trying to think what it's called anyway. Um, so I just, so I kind of made it about her and I actually sent a picture of the cello and told her what I was doing. And she thought that was pretty cool. So um, who, who were some artists that inspire you to kind of, you know, with your own work? Um, so when I said I started out as a painter, I really, really uh, liked the French Impressionists and Monet in particular. And that was in 2000. It was like a lifelong dream. I got to go visit Monet's garden in Giverny, and I got to take my two girls with me. And they were, um, you know, early, like late, like about sixth, fifth, and sixth grade at that time. Okay. And we got to go paint on the little green bridge, and that's one of my favorite memories. Awesome! That is so cool. Like I um, would always show. Well, the, I started out teaching elementary art um, the first eight years of my teaching career. Now I teach high school, but. I would always show some of the paintings from Monet's garden and we would talk about uh, Monet and his family and, and different things like that. And I also had like a little uh, video that I would show, I think it was called um, Monet or Linnea in uh, Monet's garden. Oh, I have that same one. And I show that every year also. Yeah, I really love that. And yeah, so great. That's amazing that you actually got to see it. I, I think, um, yeah, it's when you can go to the places that your favorite artists have been mm-hmm. and see an original painting by them. I think it's just, a, yeah, like, um, where was I? I was like, oh, I saw, like, uh, The Scream. And it was just like, you know, you always see it everywhere printed or on the web. But then to actually see one of the iterations of it and realize, like, oh, he had, like, a bunch of these that he did. You know, it's fascinating. Like, everybody has their own process. Right, right. And then um, kind of, I would say the next artist was, um, I went to an exhibit on, oh, I can't remember what the name of the exhibit, but anyway, Joseph Cornell, some of his work was in that show. And that was the first time I'd seen his little boxes with little things in them. And I was like, huh, this is considered art. And this is really kind of cool. And that maybe that gave me my first idea of starting to use some of my miniatures in my art. I don't know, but, but that stuck with me. And then as far as the mixed media, there was, I used to go to all of the Texas Art Ed um, meetings and all the national NAEA meetings. And there was a sales rep I met from Saks Art, Arts and Crafts. And she used to do a lot of workshops with mixed media and different techniques with using books, artist books. And um, anyway, I got a lot of ideas from her. And I have been doing my own journals and artist books since 1995. And I have one for almost every year since then. So I have a lot of artist books that I've done. Yeah, I saw um, 
like these handmade books that on your Instagram and your mm -hmm. sketches and your uh, watercolor, it looked like it was watercolor on top of some pen and ink and stuff of when you're traveling. I've gotten more into sketchbook art. Like I used to kind of fight that when I was an art student, like I was like, really, do I have to do this with the sketchbook thing? Like I already have an idea. Mm -hmm. But now that um, I'm a lot older going back to grad school, I, I absolutely love sketching my sketchbook and I'll just go I mean, it could be anywhere, just a little garden down the road from my house, and I'll just start sketching. And it's definitely made a huge difference in, I don't know, just like, I use a big fat Sharpie marker. I just saw a YouTube um, artist who was like recommending it and just, just being aware of just like blocking in shapes and um, just composition and not being so... Uh, tied into because whenever I normally work on a piece it's like you know that's that piece and that's going to be a lot of time where these are just very quick and just kind of like a warm-up and just kind of like flexing my creative brain on mm -hmm. uh, that so um yeah but uh yes but I love your uh sketchbook uh images that you've been posting oh, thank you and I'm currently working in two one I'm just using pen and watercolor okay. in because it has really good that water, good watercolor paper and then the other one is just a book that paper's not as good in it so I've been using that more as like a scrapbook and we travel a lot in our little travel trailer and so I'll collect things every place I go magazines whatever and I'll cut them up and I'll make like a little like a little diary like a little paste book of that and I, and I have one more artist I was going to mention oh, sure. um that I've taken three of his workshops and his name is Michael Demang okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of him and he does a lot of the um, assemblage workshops. And that's where I've learned about the epoxy paste and the E6000. And he teaches painting techniques to um, kind of tie, like if you have a bunch of disparate items and you want it all to look like one piece, he's really good in showing you how to tie it all together and make it look like one piece. Oh, nice. Well, I'll have to look at, um, into his work. I really appreciate you sharing that. And he has, he has books too. I have several of his books. So I was wondering, how do you keep motivated to keep working and creating new pieces? Um, so it's, um, I think we got out of order here. I'm trying to see oh, where I'm I've, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I'm trying to find where, oh, to keep motivated. Okay. So I'm always applying for, so when I get a kind of a lull and I don't really have any ideas and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I want to do next. Then I start applying for juried shows or pop-up art shows or grants. I even um, enrolled in a public art academy. It was a six-month course here in town. And then after that, I got picked for two public art projects, like um, doing an original piece of art. And then it gets uh, turned into a vinyl wrap. And then they wrap the like electrical boxes around town or the traffic boxes. So that was kind of cool. Um, being a member of local art groups, has, has helped immensely, like I said. And then I have an, a, a group of about six women that are all artists that I've met through these groups. And we get together every Sunday that we can in one of, a, one of our studios. And we just sit around and chat and make art and talk about what's working. And, oh, did you hear about this cool thing? And that I know you've talked about being kind of isolated as an artist. And so this has been, this has been wonderful for me. That's wonderful. I think that's a great idea. I, I really wish um, that I had really um, taken, you know, account of those kind of relationships because you just kind of get busy with life in general. You kind of, you get married, you have kids, all that good stuff, you have a job. But um, the, those kind of relationships I found as I get older, it really helped me fuel my own 
interests in art. And that's, that's great to hear that, you know, if you, especially yeah. if you can build your own group of people who right. really want the same thing that you can get, you know, you, it's mutual. It's like, you know, I get, you know, the, the sharing and the camaraderie, mm -hmm. that's great. And have you ever heard of the books, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron? Yes, I actually have it somewhere in my in my little studio. Okay. Yeah. She talks about she talks about doing an artist date, and so if I you know go to go out to a gallery or go look at art other places, and then I can get inspired and then come back and be all um, fired up to make something. Yes, I do. I think that's a really important. I tend to get a little cranky in my personal life if I I haven't had time to make anything. Um, so um, now, of course, I'm getting my full fill of it with graduate school. But um, you know, it's just when I've had stretches, I do find, yeah, it, it's your your mind kind of needs that to feel like you can function. So um, I was wondering, um, where's your current favorite place to see art? Um, I would guess. Just uh, art museums, like if we're in, if we go to a town, especially contemporary art museums, because I like seeing what's new and what's what's different out there. So that's that's probably my number one thing. Um, galleries, and then online, uh, you know, Instagram, um, Pinterest, and those kind of places too. Oh, and I'm sorry, I, I skipped one. Is there anything right now that you're working on um, that you'd want to share with us? Well, I just finished up a six trophy commission. And that was um, for a race that takes place tomorrow. Well, I'm going out there tomorrow. I was out of town in, in Glens Ferry, Idaho. Okay. Kristen Armstrong, who is, I think, three-time Olympic champion, she's doing a time trial race here, here in uh, Idaho. And one of the people on her team had seen some of my artwork, and they approached me and asked me if I would make trophies for the race. And the trophies aren't exactly what you would think of as a trophy, but so they wanted a piece of art that people would save for after the event and hang on their house when they're, you know, older or whatever. And so I made them their collages. Okay. Um, I went out to the, to Glens Ferry and took photos and collected little bits of this and that. And anyway, so that's why I just finished up that. And then I'm going to be actually at the race. And they said I could set up a booth with my other art there. So that'll be nice. And then the uh, awards are going to be the next, that afternoon here in Boise. And I'll be moving everything back over to here to town and setting up a booth for that. So I'll be quite busy um, next day or so. Well, and I mean, this isn't one of my questions, but how do you know, like when you're selling your work, how do you know how to, how do you come up with your pricing for things? I always think that's interesting. I that's a, that's a, a newer question. I meant to add that to my list of, mm -hmm. um, like, how do you yeah. figure out what your art is worth for market where you're, well, everyone says I price it too low, but I want to sell it. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so, um, and then I have heard the, you know, if you're doing paintings and you could do by per square inch, how big it is. And then that's what you would charge. And I had once figured out a formula I had seen where it was like minimum, minimum wage for artists time. So you would you do your, your time, um, plus the supplies, plus the size and then you come up with this price and the price every time I tried that formula uh -huh. the price came up out super high which like if I was in New York or San Francisco probably I could sell it for that but then I'll usually cut it in half or a quarter to make it reasonable for Idaho. Oh sure sure I mean and it's been forever since I was last in Idaho. How has the um, 
I'm assuming like the art, you know, scene has gotten like bigger. I mean, because it's been like 20 years since I lived in uh, Boise, Idaho, and there wasn't much of an art, you know, it wasn't really much of an art scene back then. Mm-hmm. But um, it sounds like it's grown quite considerably. I'd say it's growing, but it still has uh, its growing pains. I was in a gallery for three and a half years that I loved, and they weren't making money. They were losing money every month, so it's no longer there. Okay. And, the, you know, galleries kind of come and go like that. So I don't know. It still has a ways to go here. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So um, my next question is about in your studio, um, what do you think is the most important indispens- indispensable item that you just cannot live without to create your art? So uh, I was first going to say my glue. And then I thought, you know what? Really, the best thing about my studio is the space. I have two tables in here. And the space I have that I don't have to, because I, before I had a studio, you know, the dining room table, and you got to clean it off to make dinner, and you got to, oh, yeah. and but that I have these two big tables and all this space to just leave projects half, you know, started, and I don't have to clean it up and put it away. And then, like, oh, where was I? And like, so I, I'd say that a plate, my, Favorite thing about my studio is that I have a place to make art and I don't have to clean it up all the time. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I've been, uh, um, I was in my kitchen table, depending on what I'm doing or whatever. But yeah, that is a relief, just having space to just spread out and then come back to it. Now, I was curious, this wasn't a question of mine before, but I brought it up. Like, how do when you're working, what's the day, what's the day in your life? Like, literally, like, do you start at a certain time? Do you say, hey, I'm going to work, like, eight to five or how, how does your, how does your day go? A typical day for you? Um, a typical day is um, I also mountain bike. I'm a mountain biker. So I might go mountain biking in the morning before it gets too hot and then come back. And I'm like back and forth out of the studio because I'm, I work fast and sometimes I work too fast and, and, and I'll mess stuff up cause it's not dry or the glue hasn't dried. And it's like, okay, leave it alone, go do something else come back, then you can work on it. Or, I'll, or like I said, I'll be working on two different pieces at one time. But I don't have a strict schedule at all. I'm, it's kind of whenever. I'm lucky that I'm not I'm not working right now, so I can kind of come and go as I please. Okay. Do you tend to, though, find that you tend to be more like working in the mornings, middle of the day, or in the evening, or just varies completely? Um, probably midday. Um, after... When my husband's out of town, then I'll work up here in the night. But when he's home, then it's harder for me to just leave him and come here by myself. So it de- it depends on that. Gotcha. So um, something that you wish you would known, because I think, you know, you, anybody who's worked for some time in their careers, as an artist, is there something you could, if you could go in a time machine, travel back and tell yourself, that would probably have made things a little bit easier for you? Well, this isn't really a big thing. I couldn't think of anything, but this is something that I wish I could like redo. And that's online marketing of myself. Cause my business started right around the time as everybody was getting on Facebook and social media. And um, I got a new email account and, and just trying to tie it all together. And it's kind of, like my email is Boise artist. That's my handle on, uh, I think Instagram, but then my Facebook page is every little thing. Um, and my business cards are every little thing. And then other stuff's by my, my own name. So it's, I guess I've got like three, three names I go by and I wish it was just one. And I was told not 
told two different things. One was to use your own name as your business. And then another one was like, no, come up with a name for your business. So I wish I knew better how to, how to do all that. And I do have a very six, well, I can say very successful by numbers, uh, Facebook page for my business. I don't know if you've seen it, the every little thing page. Oh, no, I haven't. I'll have to go check that out. Um, because it has, it has over 32,000 likes or, or whatever it's called. Um, how do you think you got that? I mean, how did you get that part of that so well, successful with that? Yeah. And so, well, the thing is, is so the 32,000, the demographics are not anything of the people that I would think it would be. And I think it's just, it's 18 to 24 year old females mm -hmm. from all over the world from right now, I think Syria, Afghanistan, mm -hmm. a lot in the middle East, Asia. And the, but the jump was, so I had like maybe a hundred likes. Mm -hmm. And then one, one morning I look at it and it says 1k and I'm like, what is 1k? And I'm like, that means 1000. Like what happened? And there's a Japanese pop group called Every Little Thing. And it got, and then on their Facebook page, it said, if you want the English version, click on this. And it was my link. So it, that's, and then my sister's like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell them? I'm like, well, I, there's nothing really, you know, I think they changed that. But so I've got all these likes, but I'm not selling art off of it. And there's not much interaction on it. But, but I think it's, you know, it's that power of, um, oh, my friend liked this, so I'm going to like it. And then I'm going to, and then just keeps multiplying. Yeah. Um, I, um, I've got a guest who's going to be coming later on in August, which, um, I was, she was my marketing director when I worked as a magazine designer. So I was going to ask her a lot of questions regarding some of okay. the marketing and things like that. Cause I didn't really think about it when I worked, I worked with her for six years. She's an awesome marketing person. And really, she represented, you know, our business and then also other people's businesses, but it still applies to artists. And like, I find it really hard, like with social media, the exact same thing that you're saying, like, I've got, I've got a Facebook page for my teaching stuff. I got a Facebook page for my illustrations. It is like a, that's like a part-time job, just managing all that. And sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like you're almost like feeding this beast, like you said, you know, uh, friends see something they like it but you know you've got to feed that audience you're like constantly like putting stuff up and then I'm like well I don't want to just put stuff up that doesn't look very good that represents me right, but right. I don't have the time to grind out like one of my friends um, Travis uh, Falligan he he's done great on Instagram he has over almost I don't know over 12,000 followers on Instagram but he said he literally had to grind out every single day I think for like a year and a lot of people think, well, a year's not a long time, but it's really hard as an artist to just keep pumping out artwork like that. For, mm -hmm. At least for me, I yeah. find it's not it's not conducive to my workflow or my originality in the process. Mm -hmm. But um, you bring up some great um, questions, and also I've been interested in like you know how social media like actually you know advertising. Um, I tried just a little bit on like Pinterest, but I did it for my teaching stuff actually. Mm -hmm. And that worked really well. I just mm -hmm. couldn't believe, like, I think I, I gave myself a $50 budget and I said, I'm going to try an ad for my teaching uh, materials for uh, Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, Pinterest. And Pinterest worked the best for me. I could not believe, like, I think I spent like $25 with them. And within the two weeks, I had 32,000 
people go to you know the link that I wow. that I was providing. So on my teacher pay teacher store, and that was just fueling like you know traffic that way, and it was actually creating sales. So the thing is now I'm like, oh man, I should try that with my artwork. <laughs> you know, I just really never thought about. Um, advertising my artwork on other social media sites because I was like, well, shouldn't it be organic? But I don't know. People pay for advertising. You know, you got to, there's so much stuff out there. It's hard to like, I feel like, you know, great work is always going to stand out and stuff. But I think, you know, it's, you know, but there's so much great work out there. And so I always wonder, like, how does that play in? Because I've noticed more on Instagram, more artists doing the sponsored posts and getting people to look at their work. And mm -hmm. things like that. So I just find that something that interests me. But I will have to talk to my friend Susan, who's worked in television, radio, print, online. And so I'm going to interview her in August and ask her some. So if you have any questions, feel free to message me. <laughs> I can add in that yeah, interview. Sounds good. Yeah, the only online thing I've tried was yeah. um, Etsy. I did that for a year and did not sell one thing. Yes, so. I, um, I did Etsy. Um, and I sold a couple things off of it, but it was really my friends, <laughs> my friends yeah. doing that. And, you know, after the fact, I was like, man, I should have done Pinterest advertising directing to my Etsy store. Mm -hmm. um, but also what I was doing, I was doing these um, greeting cards, but it's just such a saturated market. They've got like 60,000 people selling um, yeah. greeting cards on Etsy. So it's like a big, yeah, that's kind of a tough competition right there. Um, and then um, I didn't think about it until after because I was spending so much on creating the material. Like maybe I should have done some digital downloads, you know, of my work. But that's, you know, but that's a learning experience. Oh, but mm -hmm. really quickly before um, I'm looking at the clock here. Um, the last question I have is like one of those deep questions that I, I always like to round off at. At the end of your life, you have made all the art that you've wanted and you've lived a full life. If there could be nothing left behind of your existence but a note you've written with three final truths, what would those truths be? And I'm going to preface this by saying I was reading all my answers to um, this interview to my daughter yesterday on the phone. Yeah. She said to me, wait a minute, I thought you told me to stop you next time you were going to do something like this. Because I just had a radio interview not too long ago that I was super nervous about. Oh. And I said, I said, well, I got to tell you what my three truths are. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see why, I'm, why I said yes to this. And number one is listen to your gut. Number two was to say yes more. People are always saying, say no, turn things down. Don't get so overwhelmed. But I say, say yes more. And then that makes connections for other things. And number three, which is a big one for me, is to be less afraid and less worried about everything. I totally agree with it. You've hit some points that I, yeah, like, uh, especially the, uh, the, uh, being so worried about things because like I um, was freelancing as a children's book illustrator at one point and I'd done about five children's books for small publishers and I got asked out of the blue somebody found me from a children's book festival and they said we'd love for you to talk I was horrified I was like that was before I got into teaching and I was a graphic <laughs> designer I was just like this little person in her studio like uh, this mouse and I was just like they were going to pay me like $600 for the day. I was like for four hours. I just had to drive out there, read the book, maybe draw something on a, you know, on a big sheet of paper and, and talk to the kids. And it just like scared me. It petrified me. And I literally could not do it. I had, I told the lady, oh, I'm busy. I was just, I made something up and I always regret that, that I didn't put myself out there more. 
And yeah. um, are, are there any instances that make you think like you wish you would have, should have done it like that? Um, no, because I pretty much have been like, so I was the, when I went back to school to get my um, master's in art education for graduation, they asked me if I would be the speaker. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a public speaker. I can't do that. And there's like, oh, come on. It's going to be a small audience. It's going to be, you know, we're going to break up the, the classes, whatever. I said, okay, okay. It was a stadium of 10,000 people. Oh and gosh. I gave the graduation speech. So if I could do that, I mean, my leg was shaking like Elvis, but I, I did it <laughs> and it came out well. But <laughs> so even though I'm, I, I don't like public speaking, I don't like talking, I wind up doing it anyway and I get through it. Wow, that's awesome, Pam. Um, well, it's really inspiring your story of being an artist and what you've done with your work. Can you please share with the audience like your social media? I know you mentioned it earlier and I'll also add it in the description box for this um, podcast, but um, could you go ahead and uh, do a little shout out? Um, sure. So um, I'm kind of, I don't have the actual, uh, every little thing is my Facebook okay. page. Yeah. So, um, and Instagram, it's Boise Artist, and um, email is boiseartist at gmail.com, and was there anything else? Oh, do you have a website? Um, I do, I don't have, I have an old business, I got a thousand business cards printed up the day before my website went live. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That's okay. I'll put it in the description box. If you send it to me, I'll add all okay. that information. So okay. I do have a blog, which I haven't been yeah. as good on the blog, but I do have a link to the website on it. So it's pammcknight.blogspot.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for being on this podcast and uh, sharing your art um, and your art and your creative life. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to my creative life. Um, Till next time. Thanks for listening.